listening to Leader Fables, a podcast where two lifelong friends and totally obsessed business nerds discuss all things leadership. I'm your host, Casey Clark, and I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Evans, who has a very strong opinion on what items should be included in your work bag. You'll have to ask him about it sometime. So, Jacob, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I am very opinionated about my work bag. Not only the bag, but what goes in it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The one thing where I, I you posted an article on this and I read it. And the one thing that we disagreed on was having a backup battery. Uh, you felt like that created extra weight. And I'm like, I don't think I could live without uh, a backup battery for my cell phone. Well, I think you missed it. I use my iPad as a backup yeah. battery and it's, it's come in, it's come in handy. Well, what I found with backup batteries is that I tend to not need them. But everyone else that I'm traveling with needs them. <laughs> so it was like I was packing around a battery for everybody else. And, nice. uh, and I, you know, I can count on like one hand how many times I've actually used a backup battery. So I'm like, what's the point? I should just charge stuff off my iPad because now you can charge your phone off your iPad. It works great. And it yeah. has a great big battery in it. So. Yeah, and and your very healthy back compared to my chronic back problems probably tells me that you've made the right decision. Exactly. <laughs> so. Well, actually, I have a new – got to update that post because I got a new even smaller everyday carry bag. With oh. the, I've even condensed it even more. So well, look I, for I that look on, to, on my website, jacobevans.net. Yes, I look forward to reading that, and I'm sure the listeners do too. But today, we're not actually talking about the best things to put in your travel bag, which probably should be another podcast. I think people would appreciate that. Uh, but today, uh, the episode, we're focusing on strategic planning. And I think this topic in particular can be really tricky for middle managers to balance because there's these competing focuses of what the company, the overall uh, vision is for the company, and then what I specifically need to do on my team this year and how those things interact, the amount of capacity we have to do. You, know, you can only do so many things. So I'm excited to talk about this, but I'd love to get your high-level thoughts on this, Jacob. Yeah, well, I, I have kind of two things. Well, one thing in a story. Uh, one is I think strategic planning for, for middle managers, just to highlight this again, is is perilous because not only do you have to deal with your team and you have to deal with kind of company priorities – but oftentimes, as middle managers, we've got dotted lines to other teams, and right. um, and they have their own plans and things they need. And uh, yeah, so I think that strategic planning is is particularly hard for for middle managers because there's so many constituencies. Um, many of us serve, you know, when we're when when we're leading teams, particularly as a middle manager. So, yeah, nice. uh, just to highlight that again, yeah, it's it's it is it can be perilous. Um, yeah, so strategic planning, like I, man, I've done some really dumb things uh, <laughs> related to strategic planning. Like when I was a new middle manager, uh, I, I I hate to say this, but when I was a new middle manager, I was super excited about you know things I wanted to to bring to market, things I wanted to see the team do, um, services I wanted to provide the company. Um, so you know, as any good manager. Uh, would do, I put together a presentation about all of these wonderful strategic plans that me and my team were going to do that year. And during an all-hands meeting, I presented the strategic plan. And uh, it was <laughs> from it, high atop the mountain. You right, brought down the I went out, I, the you know, I, 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 I uh, yeah, I received revelation. I wrote it down. <laughs> 
Uh, I went to the meeting to present it to, you know, the team. And, uh, man, after I was done, and I was super excited. If you've seen me present, I'm pretty animated, even more animated than maybe I am on this podcast. And when I was done, you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> like it, the, 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 I don't know if it was the plan or the delivery, but some combination thereof, it just fell flat. And in retrospect, I recognized that the plan fell flat, the presentation fell flat because I did not include the team in the yep. planning process. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even though they were probably the right things for us to do, even though they were, you know, great sort of strategic initiatives that, that we had picked out, even, even, you know, they were even in alignment with what the company wanted to do, but because I didn't take the time to, um, solicit feedback and to kind of plant some seeds about some of the strategic initiatives we were going to take on that year, no one was on board. They were like, oh, this is like news to me. This is, and I imagine that in that meeting, um, it was a demoralizing exercise for some folks. Um, yeah. so yeah. Don't 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 just come up with a plan and then tell people your plan and then hope that they, you know, magically get on board. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. Learn. Maybe maybe like I said, maybe it's me, but I I I have a hunch that that is not a great way to uh perform strategic planning. Yes, learn from Jacob's pain oh, man. Uh, on that. Well, I think that's a great uh transition to our fable and uh we'll pick up Anne's story uh in and strategic planning and and some of the perils that go with it, I think you'll hear in this fable. So take a listen to this. Hello, Anne. Oh, please come in. Oh, it feels like it's been ages since we last spoke. Oh, no, no, no. Come, darling, darling. I want to show you uh, the portraits I commissioned. Yes, they're, they're all scenes of yours truly enjoying all the newfound free time. Now, now, now. Oh, look, you see, this is me. Writing my memoir. Yes. Uh, and this is me playing ball basket with King LeBron. <laughs> and this one is my favorite. A portrait of when I hosted Fortnight Live with musical guest Lord Snoopy's dog. I want to thank you, Anne. This is the best I have felt in ages. And it's all because of you. And how about you? How's the world treating the world's best middle manager? Dad. I'm the world's only middle manager. Right. Well, that means you're the best. Okay, but but by that logic, doesn't it also mean that I am the worst? Oh, you're right. So, if you're the best and the worst, I guess you're also the most average middle manager. You see, you see what I did there? Oh, I do love mathematical jokes. No, yeah, that's that's a good one, Dad. That's really um something. Um to tell to tell you the truth, that is how I feel. Uh, average. Not 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 even average, Dad. Uh, Dad, I feel like I'm failing. Oh no. Come, come. It can't be all that bad. Okay, you want to bet? Well, not really. Well, well I'm doing great. I uh, thank you for asking. Um, I didn't. I'm just so busy enjoying everything the realm has to offer. Did you know that the King of Bankruptcy tried to sell me his fleet of warships? Really? I was wondering how he planned to upgrade his section of the Intra-Kingdom wire network. We had to raise our prices by 10% per harvest. Citizens are very upset. No, 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 it wasn't that. No, 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 you, you, no, you won't believe this. 
but he plans to upgrade his castle. What? Again? Yes, again. This time he plans to build a giant slingshot that will launch him and other famous nobility into space. What? He wants to be launched into space? Why? Because it's awesome, that's why. Oh, I'm so jelly. Jelly? Yeah, I'm jelly, jelly, yeah. That's what all the hip people are saying nowadays. It means jealousy. I just... I'm so damn jelly. Okay, yeah, thanks for the lesson on being hip, but it just sounds crazy to me. Have you heard the reports from the workers in his kingdom? They can barely afford the coal to warm their homes, and he wants to build a giant slingshot to space. And he's going to sell his fleet to do this. What about the soldiers in his kingdom? What will they do? Well, I'm sure they'll find other jobs. But it doesn't matter. You're missing the point. What point? The point of me being Jelly Anne. That's the point. And here's another point. Why didn't we think of building a slingshot to space first, eh? <laughs> Are you serious? Why? 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 Why would we do that? We are struggling to even keep up with basic services. This is a bad idea. Can you imagine what our citizens would say if we used our budget on a slingshot? Oh, they would say it was a boss move, Anne, yes. They would say our king is, what do you know, a visionary. They might even say we are so impressed that we would like to pay more taxes. Really? You think that they will be so impressed with a slingshot that they will ask to pay more money in taxes? Possibly. It could happen. Oh, Dad, come on. This is crazy. We have so many other things that need to be done. We have roads that need to be repaired and schools that need to be built. I mean, only yesterday I found out that you ordered our hospital to be built out of discarded medical supplies. It is literally a Band-Aid solution. What are we going to do when it rains? Oh, Annie, Annie. You're exaggerating. No, Dad, I'm really not. We have to get focused. We only have so much money and time and energy. It has to be used wisely. Well, I have to say, I don't like your tone one little bit, young lady. Young lady! Dad, I am the manager of this kingdom. And I'm the king. In fact, I would like you to stop calling me Dad when we're discussing kingdom business. Yes. And please address me as king or your most royal highness. Okay, don't be petty. You are my dad. And your king. From now on, when I have this crown on, you will refer to me as king. When the crown is off, you may call me dad. Crown on king, crown off dad. On king, off dad. Okay, yeah, I get it. Can we... Dad. King. Can we at least just agree to make the intra-kingdom wire upgrade our number one priority this year? We already told citizens this would happen. I do hear you, Annie, on what you're saying. Uh, And here's what I suggest. We make the intra-kingdom wires our number one priority, uh, along with building a slingshot that will launch us into space. Dad! The crown, Anne! Crown! Okay, yeah. No, I I apologise. Uh, King, I, I, I just, I don't, 
I don't think you understand. You can't have two items be your number one priority. Oh, oh you're right. Really me, yeah. yes. Number one infers only one item. With that in mind, let's push the intra-kingdom wires to next year and do the slingshot thing this year. That way, uh, everyone wins. Uh, the only person that wins with that plan is you. Do you even want to go to space if the King of Bankruptia gets there first? How many rich white guys does the world really need in space? Uh, at least two, Anne. Ah. Oh, dear, dear. I don't know. I do see your point, though. I don't want to seem like I'm copying him, do I? Maybe I can convince some celebrities to go with me. What about that actor uh, that, that, that plays the ship's captain at the, at the theatre? That will never work. He is way too old. Why don't you just ask the King of Bankruptia if you can borrow his slingshot? Maybe, maybe you could go together. No, 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 no. It's not what I want. I want my own slingshot. I don't want to share. This is happening, Anne. And it's your job to make it work. Okay. You are the king. A giant slingshot it is. Thank you. You will not regret it. Yeah, well, that remains to be seen. Let's see. Um, all right. A giant slingshot. We are going to have to figure out how to pay for it. I think increasing taxes is a bad idea. Hold on. Wait a minute. I have an idea. Maybe, maybe there is a way to convert the warships you bought into trade vessels. Yeah, no, that's it. We could increase trade to fund the project. What are you talking about? I didn't buy any warships. No, but you said the King of Bankruptia offered to sell his fleet of warships to pay for the slingshot. Oh, he did, yes, but I didn't buy them, silly. Oh, no, 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 no. That would be irresponsible. Ah, uh, uh, not sure if you have noticed, but we do have a kingdom budget, Anne. Yes. And I told him to keep his ships, and we would just loan him the money. What? No, no that's a terror. That's a... Dad, that's not a very good idea. You already said he is always overextending himself. What if he doesn't pay? Anne, my darling, Anne. You need to relax. He will repay. There's nothing to worry about. Mark my words, the land of bankruptcia is a solid credit risk. Okay, well, did you at least have him pledge the ships as collateral? Of course not. That would break the king's code. No, I'm telling you, Anne, that he is good for it. Uh, stop worrying about that and start worrying about making this happen. Now repeat after me. Our number one priority is building a giant slingshot into space. Our number one priority is building a giant slingshot into space. Admit it, Anne. You felt like a real boss when you said that. No, Dad. I really didn't. Anne, I'm still wearing the crown. You have to call me king. Aye, aye, king. All right, uh, I love that. A slingshot to space. The, these fables 
Jacob are ripped from the headlines. Oh, you know, they totally. say that on Law and Order, ripped from the headlines. Uh, you know, this this one was. I thought it was great. Well, I'm sure you all, listeners, you know, UKC, I know I have, we've all been in meetings where people have talked about their moonshot. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> yeah, what's the moonshot? And uh, anyway, it's a little cliche, I think, at this point. But uh, I do wish it was as easy to get to people's ambitions behind their moonshots as it was for Anne and, in, in, you know, in the in the fable. Oh, yeah. You know, to find, you know, it's really about impressing the other kingdoms. Like, uh, sometimes it's as clear as that. Trying to find people's motives behind what they want to do is is perilous, too. So no doubt. Well, well, let's get into strategic planning. And I think this is such a broad topic. Um, there's a lot of different paths we could take. But why don't we start with how you start strategic planning? Like, what are the prerequisites um, to get ready for it? So what do you think, Jacob? Where do you start? Well, you go to the mountain, you receive revelation, you come <laughs> I down. wasn't listening earlier. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. That's a really bad idea. Um, where do you start? So for me, and I don't know if this is a popular opinion, I have found that, well, actually, let me back up. Like, I tend to like want to dive right into strategic planning because I'm in a, mm-hmm. I'm kind of an idea generator. I get lots of ideas. I write them down. I get excited about them. I want to get other people excited about them. But what I found is if I start there, I, I more or less set myself up for failure because what I miss in that sort of process of ideation is um, I I forget (laughs) the things that are already happening in the company, on the team, projects that are already in motion. And I think one of the the sort of key um, components of strategic planning that I often miss is accounting for things that we're already doing. And Mm -hmm. um, I... And, 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 you know, we only got so much time. We only have so much resources. And, uh, you know, good mental managers, I would argue, good managers, good leaders, they complete the commitments that are already, you know, in motion, that are already going on. And um, so I think where you start is taking inventory of everything that's going on on your team and the company, um, kind of the open requests that you have, open projects, starting from there. And then, you know, after you do that, you can start considering um, – new strategic initiatives uh that you'd like to pursue i think it's really good and i and i'll put it in some more context maybe the best place to start is to read last year's strategic plan right or to review the strategic plan you already have in place and the progress you've made i am famous for i get really excited about an idea and i'm a i'm more of a pioneer than a homesteader in business and so I get really excited about coming up with the plan, launching it. And then about halfway through the plan, the messy middle is where I'm like, let's just make a new plan. Forget this plan, you know, but there was a reason you came up with that plan in the first place. And uh, one thing I've learned to do in my own reflection, my own personal leadership is to start my day with the strategic plan um, and to map out. These are the goals we have. These are the methods in which we're going to reach those goals what am I going to do today to work on that? Um, so I think this goes right to what we've said, I think, in every episode that, you know, personal leadership always precedes team leadership. And if you in your own rhythms as a manager can consistently be going back to this plan, it helps you design and it helps, you know, rather than creating a whole new plan, what's the next step of the plan we already have? Yeah. And if you don't have a plan, like maybe you didn't have a strategic plan last year, and I've been on teams where that was kind of the case. Um, look at what – just take inventory of what you did last year 
um, go through sometimes it's going through your email or your task manager like t- take take inventory uh, of of what you've done and I think that gives you a sense for what you can do you know sort of in the future with the same sort of talent resources and and, and all that stuff uh, one thing it just just real quick you know kind of side note on this um, I was putting together a strategic plan and uh, and the team was behind it. It was good. Um, we were, I think, we were working to kind of seek board approval. And uh, a few of my project managers actually came to me and said, "Jacob, I don't think we can do this. This is like too. This is too audacious. Like <laughs> we don't have the resources. You know, this is going to take too much time. I think you're being a little, um, a little too optimistic. You know, in regards to timelines. And uh, what I did." And it was kind of funny. Like what I did is I pulled out the strategic plan from last year and I said, that's exactly what I was told about this plan. And, <laughs> and, and I just reminded them of what some of the amazing things we did, you know, in the previous 12 months. And it was really encouraging. Um, I said, yeah, we missed this. And, you know, this was a little late. And, um, but, you know, by and large, we were able to complete that that strategic plan that we'd put together the previous year. And I, I thought it was really encouraging. So um, mm-hmm. sometimes having that previous plan is really helpful for just pointing people to and say, Hey, no, we, we can do it. Like yeah, <laughs> we, we, we do great. know how to, you know, get projects out the door and done and on time and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I think this goes to um, connecting your team to the plan, but that also could be a team exercise, right? Yeah. Like, all right, everyone have a seat. I have provided uh, 18 packs of sticky notes and we're going to take five minutes. Everyone write down three things we are doing or accomplished last year and then go post it on the whiteboard and or the virtual whiteboard, you know, if, if that's your uh, setting. And then uh, it will help you remember stuff you don't remember, right? Because different people have connections to different projects and focuses and and so this is also something probably there's very little in strategic planning you should ever do by yourself. Like it should almost always be with your team, but that's a, a simple practical way to do it. Yep. And it connects to the reflection piece you should be doing with your team. Uh, and and I mean, you can do a lot of things like uh, you could put tape lines on that whiteboard and be like, okay, this is the projects we knocked out of the park. Here is the stuff that we are still terrible at. Here is the stuff that we wonder why we ever did it like our eighties hairdos, right? Like, uh, and, and you have to put your sticky note on one of those three, uh, lanes and it becomes like a fun exercise for the team. And it's, it's a forced, uh, reflection, uh, over what you've done. And then you can bridge that into a really quick start, stop, continue. Okay. What from this list do we need to put on the list for this year? And I don't think you can actually do this without sticky notes. I think it may be uh, against the law uh, in some states. So, so sticky notes are the way to do this. <laughs> they are your friend, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing that you mentioned I, I, I just want to highlight. You had mentioned that you tend to be a pioneer and others yeah. tend to be a homesteader. And I think that that's true for a lot of managers. Like I tend to, to uh, you know, I, I too like tend to be a, a, a pioneer. Um, I think that those kind of are the extremes. Like, you know, there's people that really like to ensure that the trains run on time. And there are people that really like to think about the future and build the future. And like you said, those of us that like to build the future, we get a little discouraged when we have to get the <laughs> in the middle of a project where we where we have to ensure that the trains are running on time. And uh, I think that there there's some wisdom um, for for good middle managers. They have to have kind of a blend of both. You've got to be able to homestead at times and pioneer at times. 
And yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think that's really important. You can't just, I, I, I mean, I found that I can't just like, you know, be around to let the trains run on time. And, and nor can I um, just focus on big picture. I have to have a blend of both uh, to be an effective manager and to lead teams and to do things and uh, get projects out on time and, and, uh, and to really execute on strategic plans. Right, because there's a danger in both, right? If you're spending right. too much time focused on making the trains run on time, you're going to get disrupted because you're not thinking of that new idea or the the new way to to you know to grow, um, or your team's going to get stagnant. That's the other part, right? Like, uh, and then the second, if you're just focused on big picture, you're probably not going to get to much of that big picture because the honest part is that the it gets made or break broke in the execution of a plan. Like uh, I've learned this more and more, I think in the last five years that I can have the most beautiful plan, man, like in a great slide deck and a, a great five page document that outlays the budget and ideal state, current reality steps to bridge the gap. Like that stuff is all great, but none of that matters unless I figure out how to execute it and make sure that, that you know, that the, everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing. Like half the time is success is everyone knowing what the plan is and, and acting accordingly to it, but you can't live in, in one of those worlds. You, you really do have to, to bridge those two divides. But I also want to say it's really easy as a middle manager to be focused on the trains running on time. And one of the skills that I look for when I'm ready to move someone from like a middle manager to a senior manager or a director is that ability to, dream of where we're going to be in five years or where we're going to be in 10 years. Um, you functionally knowing how to execute this is amazing, right? That's going to put you in a middle manager position. If you have ambitions higher than that, you better learn how to be creative and and look at where the business is going to be in five years from today. Yeah. I, I Like you said, you know, you can get away with living in either world, particularly the the homesteader world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're, you know, if we just stay there, well, we're going to miss opportunities. Um, and you know, I argue that I wouldn't, if I just lived there, like particularly as a home center, I would be a less effective middle manager. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I'm hearing we're both, uh, we're, you know, we're both pioneers, so there will be one season of this podcast uh, before the two of us get bored and uh, go start five others. Well, <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> the verdict, the verdict is not in. It's still out. Yes. So <laughs> we'll find it, out at the time of recording this podcast. We have not released a podcast yet. So it's we're, we're still very much in the pioneering. Oh, we're uh, pioneering. Phase. We're pioneering. But we hope you we hope you like it for sure. Okay, well, let's let's. So we got that. I really like that context. You know, that it starts with some personal leadership, knowing your tendencies. If you're more of a dreamer or a doer, like having a good balance um, between those, getting your team involved. So after you've done that, like, what's next? Like, where do you go from there? Yeah. So I think the first step is to just kind of recognize where you are on that spectrum, like you indicated, mm -hmm. and. And I kind of alluded to this earlier. I think the first step is taking inventory, understanding and capturing kind of everything that's on your plate, on your team's plate, all the sort of open projects that you're pursuing. Um, because without properly understanding everything that's on our plates, it's really hard to um, 
fit in new strategic initiatives as the yeah. fable kind of clearly i i think you know clearly pointed out like if, if you don't understand what's what you're currently doing and don't have a good picture like a complete picture of what you're working on the team's working on um it's really hard to move forward i think mm. i call this the no. runway well actually david allen calls this the runway i call it the runway too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you gave him credit so you can now call it that uh for sure yeah, I really like that. And I, I really like the, you know, knowing which of those are working. What what do you do if you find one of those areas that your team's currently working on and it's it's not functioning like you want? Let's say it's even maybe dysfunctional. Um at at that point, do you want do you want to stop and address that in your strategic plan? Or do you want to just kill it? How do you know the difference? Um, what do you do with stuff that's not working? Well, I've done both. Um, so my advice is, and it, it's going to depend. I think the, the the advice is going to vary on discipline. But if you're working kind of in technical sort of software development uh, spheres, I think you've got two options. One is, you know, like you said, Casey, is to kill it. And there have been times where I've done that, where, you know, a project was taking way too long. It was kind of a minor part of the strategic plan. And, uh, you know, oftentimes like we got into it, we figured out that it wasn't worth it and to continue, you know, it would just be way too much time and effort. So, you know, you do have that option, right. To kill it. I think the other option that I off that, that I like is just to cut scope. Like how, what, what is the bare minimum Mm -hmm. we can do to get this project to done. And once we do that, we can kind of reassess, um, I, I'm a big fan of just trying to get, you know, cut scope so you can get to done and then reassess after that. I don't know. Yeah, How does that sound, Casey? I think that's terrific. And it made me think of an example in my own uh, leadership. I was so excited about this idea and, and I work in higher education and we have uh, our faculty, how we allocate our faculty to a student at the right time with the right intervention is a lot of what I spend my time on. And I, I really wanted to do this project where we were going to match uh, the faculty and the student in a different way. And uh, and I, I got the team excited about it. Like we thought through all the things and then like two months in, it was really clear that this was a bad idea. And, uh, and it wasn't that students didn't like it, which is usually our number one gauge is like, is it helping students? It was that our faculty didn't like it. And it was hitting at their core, um, the core thing that made them want to do the thing that they do, you know, like that warm fuzzy they got for, for doing this job over a a different job. And I remember we're like, okay, we're going to, this isn't the right thing. We got to cut it. How do we cut it? That was the question Mm -hmm. of, because now we've gone, we've spent all this time on it, invested these resources. It's going to impact students. It's going to impact faculty. And so we had this meeting with those who had been impacted and I was dreading it. Like, uh, and actually it wasn't even me who had the meeting. It was, uh, one of my frontline managers was having the meeting and telling them we were going to shut down this pilot that they'd worked on for a couple months. And so we're like dreading this, like, uh, it's one of those things where if we don't schedule it, we know we're not going to do it. So we put it on the calendar so we can't get out of it. And so we go into this meeting and we're like, okay, listen, everyone, Um, we realize there are a lot of good things to think through in this pilot. And part of the reason that we pilot things is to try new things and, and some will work, some won't, and we're going to stop doing this. And 
we're a virtual company. Uh, all of our faculty are virtual. And I think I heard a collective sigh of relief uh, all across the country because people, you know, the, the people who this was impacting the most knew way ahead of the leadership that this was not going to work. And so we shut it down and people, and I got these emails and these messages that were like, thank you so much for admitting that this was not working. Um, and for, so I was like, I thought we were going to get all these people are going to be mad at us. They'd spent this time and they were like, thank you for saying this didn't work and being honest with us and not trying to like tap dance around the fact that we were going to do something different, but just saying, look, the data is not showing us what we thought it was going to show us. Um, we know it's impacting your, uh, desire to work here, your quality of work. And so we're going to just admit that this was a bad idea and we're going to try something else. And I think sometimes as managers, we don't give people enough credit, uh, that they also know this is not working and needs to be shut down. Yeah. I think the other thing to be cognizant of, and this is something I had to learn is there's a number of times where I wanted to get kind of a pet project done. Um, and I kind of had to keep reselling people on this pet project, this sort of strategic – I would argue it was a strategic pet project. Um, there was an area in uh, our code base that was just really terrible, and it touched like – every little feature we had kind of touched it. And I'm like, we need to redo this. we got to get make it better. And at the same time, let's you know make how this particular feature worked. Let's make it a lot better. And um, and anyway, it was a project that just never ended. And uh and, and, and I think I was by the end, you know, before we killed it, I think I was the only one still excited about it. So I think, <laughs> I think one of the, one of the, you know, things I've had to learn is to kill prep, pet projects early, especially yeah. when you, when you see, see signs that, yeah, they're just not, <laughs> they're not taking yeah. flight. If you leave a pitch meeting and you're like exhausted because you really had to work to get people even to consider it, you probably have a bad idea. Like that's. That's the other part. The other one thing for me I found is if I actually have to write out that idea, like not verbally, because I can verbally sell most things in a meeting. But if I have to sit down and write out like the implications, like a full project plan. And again, you want to do this as a team, but just for your own, like, is this a good idea or not? Once I start writing it out of like, I can see the flaws immediately, like. You know, what, what if this happens? Like, I don't, I, I could tap dance an answer in a meeting, but in reality, uh, I don't have an answer for this. So, and sometimes oh, your team brilliant. will have the answer, right? When you take it to them. And then other times, like you said, kill your own pets first. Like, oh, that's a horrible phrase, but, but you, you, be, be more critical of your own ideas than, than others probably. Yeah. Yeah. Put yeah. your pet projects just back in the bag. Just put the pets back in the bag. You can, you know, you can take them out again, but yeah. Yeah. Be, be, yeah, be so willing I, to be willing to let go. I love that. So I, these are some real practical things. I think like understand what your team is doing and the capacity they have to do more, or even what would be need to be removed to make a new project happen. Identify identify areas of dysfunction in your current or things that aren't working. Right, those are fodder for strategy. Um, so let me let me just ask you about that, Casey. Like, yeah. what are some areas like just in your experience? Now, when we go to work to identify, you know, dysfunctions in the team. What yep. would you consider to be like a a common like team dysfunction that tends to mm -hmm. pop up? Uh, one thing that I see is if no one is taking ownership of a project, it might be a bad idea. Yeah. Um cuz I I see with if you hire really, you know, awesome people that are totally dialed into the work that you're doing is generally 
where I see people bump into each other is over ownership, right? Everyone's trying to own it. And that's where you need a bit of a traffic cop to help people understand their lanes and how those lanes work together. That's what a good manager does, right? Is help uh, bridge the gap for that. But if I'm like, Hey, can I get an update on this? And like, nobody responds like one, it's probably clear. I didn't make a, I didn't make it clear the communication funnel for it. But second is just that there's no one gets excited about the idea, right? Like yep. I, I don't hear uh, energy in people's voices when they talk about it. I'm begging for updates on it, right? And if if I find I'm hitting those things, I think there's some uh, level of dysfunction because, and, and it might even just be like we didn't fully understand the why, and so there's not enough you know momentum going to it. Um, but that's one telltale sign I see. The other is, is if you've identified clear data in what you're doing, that data should be an arrow to what, uh, what to look at. Doesn't mean that data can be wrong and, and lead you astray, but it should at least create an arrow that says, go dig in three steps deeper to this. Um, and maybe there's three more levels of data or, um, there's, three more qualitative layers that I need, I need to dig into for that, but I should have clear benchmarks that help me keep an eye on, um, how that project is proceeding. Oh, that's great. I think there, there's a kind of a project aspect to dysfunction. And then I think there's also a team aspect to dysfunction. One of the things that I found, you know, kind of doing this review process is, uh, identifying and maybe, maybe dysfunction isn't the right word. It's really identifying friction points, that uh, make it more difficult for people to interact, get stuff done, get status updates. Um, for instance, I'll give you an example. Like early, um, uh, earlier in my career, um, we weren't using. You know, when I was running teams, software teams, we weren't using a like a solid ticketing system for capturing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on, deliverables, and that sort of stuff. And what that led to was a lot of meetings. And a lot of emails. And one of the things we did to kind of solve that friction point, that dysfunction, is we implemented um, a project management suite to take care of that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. most folks now know all about project management suites and software that kind of helps uh, reduce emails and, 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 and meetings. But I think there's an opportunity kind of in the strategic thinking, strategic planning process to identify areas where we've got some friction on the team and where a system or software can help improve the way we communicate, reduce the number of meetings we have, um, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. Nice. Interesting that the software guy is like, oh, yeah, this is right. where you identify software that you need. Uh, and the people guy on my side is like, this is where you find out someone's jacked up or is like, <laughs> you know, messing up a part. No, but you need your, both. You need both. Yeah, you do. You know, you got to really focus do. on the people. People have got to work well together. They got to stay in their lane and you need systems that kind of support those activities. And if you do, a, you can get more done, which is great. And, and it is a really good point that it should not just be project-based when you're doing strategic planning. Like, what is the, I hate that we call them soft skills because I think they're actually more, they are hard skills because they're hard to master. But what is a soft skill that our team needs to work on in this next year? Maybe it's how we communicate with each other. Or maybe it's like, how do we get feedback from individual contributors? Like that may be a whole, you know, project in and of itself. Like how do we, how do we dream together? How do we reflect better? How do we stop stuff that isn't working quicker? You know, it doesn't always have to be like, we're going to create a new product that will revolutionize the world. You know, it, it, 
it could be like we're gonna not be jerks to each other this year. You know, like we're gonna we're gonna work on that. We're gonna we're gonna trust each other more this year. Like, and then it's not enough to leave it at that. Like, then you have to actually do the work of like, what does that actually mean? How can you quantify it? You know, how do how will we gauge success uh, in it? And I wanted to share my very favorite. Uh, strategy for strategic planning or not strategy, but like way to think about it or exercise to do is the creating an ideal state. Mm. And, and this is a really good writing exercise. It's a really good team exercise. Even have a bunch of people do the same exercise, then come together and share it out um, is a great like deliverable way to, to get at this. And then you have, if, if you are writing one strategy, you have six different people who've already take a stab at it. So you take a piece of each and, you know, it, it gives you, makes the process a lot easier. But if I can write out what I actually want it to look like in X, if everything was perfect, what, you know, then I can write the second step, which is to write a current reality. So here's my ideal state. My ideal state for Casey's health is that he can bench press Jacob, uh, Jacob's weight, right? Like that's, that's, uh, my ideal state or like he can run, uh, and he looks awesome in a tank top or I don't know, whatever. Beach pod, man. Uh, Beach pod. Yeah. He's got, you could do that shake weight thing. You've oh, seen that. There like, you go. Uh, the yeah, yeah, on the yeah. infomercials. That looks terrible. Um, that's my ideal state. What's my current reality. I, I struggle to lift the glass off the table, right? Like, uh, okay, then what am I going to do to bridge the gap this, this year? And then you, you, you can fully also say that there's just a piece of this that I'm going to take this year because to me, that's another mistake people make in strategic planning is that we really can get from start to finish in one year. I I don't know many big things that will move the needle that you could really do that in, in one year. And so it's, it's like these are the three things we're going to commit to from that ideal to current that we think can move us. Uh, so the definition of success is not being perfect because you're never going to be perfect. It's that I move closer to that ideal state from the current reality that I'm in right now. And I, I felt like that's always worked best with my team. And the weird part is the hardest thing is creating the ideal state because it forces you to get an agreement about what the destination is. Mm-hmm. Writing your current reality is so easy and it is almost cathartic a little bit. It could be funny or like, therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then uh, agreeing on action steps. If you just did that, that's a model for strategic planning right there, as simple as that is. And here are the three things we're going to do this year to move closer to our ideal state. Oh, that's awesome. I think, um, you know, doing that sort of gap analysis as you articulated is, uh, yeah, yeah, it can really kind of help jumpstart things. As you said, it's it's really hard, but um, yeah, working towards an ideal as a team is really powerful, I think. I'd like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Audible. Now, Casey, I don't know about you, but there are two things I like to do before I or as I get ready for a trip. One is I load up my podcast player with all with a bunch of great podcasts, and I go find a couple of audiobooks on Audible to listen to. Normally, I've got a big backlog of books that I've been meaning to read or that people are recommended to me. So I love using Audible, particularly when I'm going on trips. Maybe I'm doing a long like road trip. We do one of those about once a year, or I'm going on a long plane trip with my family overseas. So dear listeners, as all of you are getting ready for trips this summer, consider checking out Audible and downloading a book. Um, no, So Casey, for folks that 
maybe have a very shallow reading list. Do you have a book recommend? Yeah. And I'm going to have to be careful not to like freak out like a fan at a concert and be like, "Ah, I'm so excited because this book uh, and the book is free to focus by Michael Hyatt. And I think this book has changed my leadership more than any other book that I've read. And I haven't counted, but I have to have read several hundred leadership books and, and different business books. But this one has just changed the way that I lead. In fact, if you're a leader that works for me, this is required reading um, as you start. And I've taken almost everyone in our organization, even other senior leaders uh, in my company through this book because it's so good. And it, it focuses a lot on productivity, which I'm a bit of a junkie on productivity, but this book approaches it with the best mindset, I think, which is it's not about like finding more tricks and habits and things to make you make it so you can do more work. It's about getting super clear and focused on what matters most and eliminating everything else. And so it, it talks about there's really four zones of what we do in our work in the desire zone. That's areas that we're passionate and proficient at. Those are the areas we want to shoot for. And then there's fun ones like the distraction, disinterest, drudgery zone, like ones that we're neither good at or proficient at. And yet we end up spending a bunch of time here. So anyway, I I think this is a great book. It also has a lot of uh, applicable exercises you go through as well as a whole planner system. If, if you're, if you like it, where you can structure your week and it sets you up for goal execution and uh, reflection and disconnecting and rejuvenation. Anyway, if there was one book I had to recommend to anybody, it's, it's free to focus. It's really terrific. That's great. Well, for our listeners, we have a 30 day free trial of audible plus uh, by going to leaderfables.com slash audible. So if you'd like to check out free to focus, We invite you to listen to it on Audible or click on the link uh, in this podcast and it'll take you to it. You can buy a a paper copy as well. Thank you, Audible, for your support of Leader Fables. There's a couple of other things I want to explore here. Um, One is, and we mentioned this in the opening, how hard it can be to be the middle manager uh, in this process. And uh, again, if, if someone does the approach where they go to the mountain and bring down the tablets of strategy. And, and I think that hap- that happens to middle managers more than we'd like to admit that they get pulled in at the end. What do you do if you're that middle manager and you know, your team doesn't have capacity to do it? Like you just figure it out, right? Like, is that what you do? You have to figure it out. Well, um, so let me, let me ask a clarifying question. Like when you say they don't have the capacity, meaning, yeah, they they don't have the time to you know huddle together and kind of talk about strategic plan or they're just up to their necks and like you know other no, stuff that's going I'm on i'm saying a strategic plan gets handed to you oh yeah and okay, you're like i you. know my team doesn't have the time the talent or the desire to work on this as uh, happened project. in the fable i'm with you yeah exactly like yeah what, what if your boss is like i want to build a slingshot to space and you're like I need to upgrade the intra-kingdom wires or I know like it's going to be really bad for us. Um, I think that's where you learn how to say no. <laughs> yeah. As hard as it may be. Or yeah. you know what I do, my strategy, instead of saying no, I typically say, okay, that's a great idea. I love that idea. Normally it is a good idea. And normally there's some things I love about it. So I'm not lying. Yeah. But then I'll say that, and then you do the gap analysis. Then I'll say, this is what I need 
to get from where we're at to where you want to go. And normally it requires some more money. It may require some more talent. Um, and then the individual asking for the thing, they can, they can make the decision. Normally it's, you know, your boss. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That's worth the cost of admission. Wait, I don't think we're charging for these, but we are not. anyway, like <laughs> you should send us some money for that. Like one little tidbit there for that to be possible. This would have to happen, right? Like, and and I think that's where you come from a proactive standpoint instead of being bitter, like I don't ever, my team's never going to do anything. You know, you can, you can get that reputation is like, I love this idea. Or if you don't love it, I like this idea. And if you don't um, like it, you could just say, oh, wow, that's an idea. That's an idea for sure. <laughs> Way to go. You definitely have an idea. Um, but I need this to make it happen. And like you said, people or money or software. Well, look, I'm throwing in a software one hey, now. how about that? Um, this would need to happen. Um, or I'm worried about my team's ability to get this done. Yeah. Um, there and, and that saying no to power or that redirecting power can be pretty intimidating. Um, especially like I know when my boss is excited about something, I, most of the time I got to get excited about it. Right. And, uh, luckily I have a terrific boss. Uh, if she's listening, she's amazing. Uh, if she's not listening, she's amazing. Um, and she would, she would never do this. She would want my input, you know, all of this, but I think it's okay to say I'm, and to detail out your worries. Here are a couple things that I think we have to address to be successful at this. And that is a gift to your team yeah. to be honest with, you know, the senior leadership, uh, CEO, director, whoever you report to, is I see this being successful if we can do X, uh, if we can add this to it. I think it's really great. Now, one thing, just to elaborate on this a little bit more, because I've had this conversation oh so many times. Um, normally the next, so after you say, okay, well, you know, I love the idea. That's great. This is what it's going to take. Normally, and this has been my experience, normally they don't like the answer to like your response to what this is going to take. Like my, my, in previous, you know, jobs, bosses I've had, they've been like, oh, really? That seems like a lot. Like that. Hmm. <laughs> so normally their next question is, all right, well, what's the team currently working on? Like, what are they currently doing now? And that kind of goes back to our first point. Understand. Oh my gosh, you're going to seem so genius right. if you're like, that is such a great question. Come see my whiteboard full of sticky notes. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, normally I have a document of all the things we're working on. Like I said, capture yeah. everything. Say, these are all the things we're working on. What do you not want to do? And then they can yeah. pick. And normally yeah. they're like, oh no, that's good. Yeah, we need to keep doing that. Da, 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 da. And then, and, and then either, either, you know, you kind of got them to know, or sometimes they'll say, hey, you know what? I really do want to do this. It's something I'm super yeah. excited about. They'll either kill a current project or they'll give you more resources. That's right. Yeah. And it's, I think the other part I want to like be clear on here is like, take a minute when you get this from your, from your boss or your, your manager, like this looks really exciting to me. I would love a couple days to digest this and pull it apart and talk to my team and look at what we're currently doing. Ah, ah, like, you know, you're already setting the stage there. Um, and come back to you. Could I process this? And could we connect in a couple days? Because I know where I've gotten my teams in trouble by overcommitting as a leader has been me wanting to please and accepting in the moment. And uh, like I said, I'm a pioneer, so I get excited about new things and I like change. 
Um, and I also don't know every level of detail that my team, the reason I've hired people on my team is because they have an expertise. So it's pretty arrogant of me to accept on behalf of my team without consulting them and their specific expertise. Um, I, I regularly find myself, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard. And then, uh, my team's like, actually, Casey, there's like 15 steps to, to do that. So give yourself an out if you need to, I, you know, and, and I think being a senior leader, if some, if one of my middle managers told me that I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want a thorough estimate of what it will take to be able to get this done. So I don't know if you found this, this has happened to me, um, uh, quite a few times actually, where my boss has said, Oh, Hey Jacob, you know, I'd love to do this. Let's do that. Da, da, da. And sometimes they would forget that they asked me about it. Like I'd get, I'd say, yo, no, <laughs> that's a great idea. Let me get back to you about it. And they never, you know, like, it never came up again. So sometimes that happens too. So it's always good to Casey's point. Like it's always good just to say, you know what? That's a great idea. Let me take a look at it. Um, try not to indicate how hard or how easy you think it might be. Um, I, I, I like Casey. I, I often do that. Like, Oh yeah, that doesn't sound so hard. I think we can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I try to get to yes, but um, sometimes it's, it's to the team's detriment when uh, I do that. So yeah, I think That's such a good tip because I do that as a leader. I know like I get really excited about something. I have someone's one-on-one and I start and, and they take it as a directive. And I was like, I just wanted to brainstorm ideas here. Like I didn't expect you to bring me back a full budget for this. Like, um, so get, even giving it that couple of days allows excitement to damp, you know, to temper a little bit and, and be ready. Okay. I, I have a story about strategic planning. I took over a position so I came in kind of mid cycle, uh, for this and my group had a really fleshed out strategic plan. And about a month in, I realized all these other groups had very fleshed out strategic plans. The problem was none of those strategic plans actually worked together and, but they all required things from each other, but, but they never figured out in this position, uh, that year, how to merge the different work that was happening across departments. And so what happened is almost nobody got their stuff done. Wow. So how do you prevent that from happening? Like you have a really good idea that requires, uh, Jacob's it department to help you pull this off. Like, how do you build consensus out of your working group and make sure you're not doing these in a silo? Yeah, I think you know, I, and this is going to kind of sound obvious, I think, but the the trick is you got to communicate and probably over communicate like your your peers as a, as a leader, senior manager, my peers, you know, we need to get together and talk about our strategic plans and ensure that, you know, we're doing a good job of supporting one another. I've been in positions where my team did a great job. We got our work done. We were, you know, we built or released new products, but the marketing team wasn't ready to market those products or the sales <laughs> team wasn't ready to sell those products. So I think one of the things that, you know, I worked at really hard um, was to try to uh, synchronize some of those activities. You can't do it. Normally you can't synchronize everything. Um, sometimes your, your strategic plans are just kind of orthogonal to others and that's okay. Like they're chasing other things that, you know, you, you, you know, just, yeah, they're, they're going to chase other things. Like for instance, the marketing department, they're going to chase other things that I don't even care about. Like there's some things that, you know, there just is an overlap, but for the things that are overlap overlapping, um, yeah, you need to get kind of get on the same page. And what I would do to ensure that 
I was kind of in, in lockstep with my peers is I would normally send out a weekly sort of status update email on where we were mm-hmm. on the strategic initiatives that touched other departments. And um, and oftentimes, you know, folks would get back and, and I would also in that same email ask for an update on the things that we were waiting for from other folks. And that seemed to help um, ensure that uh, these, these sort of siloed teams were not so siloed. And in fact, you know, we were working together. But it, I, I, I think it's really hard. It's really hard to achieve um, some synchronicity, if you will, um, yeah. among teams, especially if you're working in a large organization. It gets even harder, I think, the larger, larger you are as an organization. Yeah, and I think in a plan, this is where a good old-fashioned sign-off process is actually really helpful um, to say, like, my department has reviewed this and we understand that X, Y, and Z are our role in it. Here is our, you know, service level agreement to this. Like, if you're a people leader, this is the benchmarks that uh, my team will achieve. And here is my signature on the line, right? And then you can build that into your project manager software and, and all of that. But in, often that may be something as a middle manager, um, if there are a lot of departments all bringing you expectations that you need to sync up and mm-hmm. Because of Jacob's request, I'm not going to be able to do Casey's, or I can't do both Jacob and Casey's uh, vice president, senior manager. I need you to help me prioritize these um, so that I understand. So that everything I'm committing to, I know we can actually achieve um, there as well. I, I think these have been really uh, helpful tips. So if we, if you were you were summarizing this, Jacob, if you were like putting this all together, like what is the one piece of advice that you would give to a middle manager in, in the midst of strategic planning? Uh, and I have one, but, but you start like, what, what, what would that be? I have one, but I'm going to wake you wait because I have one other like little tiny pro tip that uh, okay. I think is really helpful when talking about the sort of synchronization, you know, among teams. One of the things that I did and invited other people to do is, um, or I guess I requested, is attending uh, all hand, and we'll probably talk about this in a future episode, all hands meetings of other teams Ooh. and sharing with other teams what your team is doing and how it's going to benefit them and vice nice. versa. I would invite, you know, sales leaders into my team and have them talk about, you know, what the sales team is doing. And that was, it was a really great way to not only expose your team to other leaders in the company, but also it was a just a great opportunity to ensure that we were kind of on the same page. Like, you know, normally I'd have a meeting with them or we'd go to lunch and say, hey, you know, I'd love to have you come to my next all hands meeting. Um, you know, what would you like to talk about? And yeah, it, w- it was a really good sort of um, uh, team building, you know, uh, culture sort of building exercise. So invite That's people terrific. to come and talk to your team for once in a while. <laughs> all the time, right? Like, uh, it it even brings some variety to what you're doing. I think one thing middle managers can get stuck on is like that programming of the team meeting and it becomes like a monologue versus a a discussion. So that's a great way to, to do that. Well, because you added that, I'm going to say my one thing before you say your one thing. Go for it. uh, You might steal mine. So I guess I'm here. That's why I wanted to say it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I have like seven things, but if if it, if it links, we'll have to think of another one, but my one thing is you can probably do about half of what you want to do, uh, or maybe a quarter of what you want to do. Um, really strive to be realistic in what your team can accomplish. Cause there's nothing more demoralizing than looking back at the end of the year. And you've only done one out of the 15 things that you, uh, committed to. And I'd argue that if you have, uh, 15 things, you probably don't know what your number one is. 
right? And your number one should be so blatantly obvious that it doesn't take a lot of effort to get people on board. The action steps are pretty clear, but doing less is really achieving more uh, in strategic planning. And, and so that you have time to not neglect things like team building and having fun together and dreaming together, if, if you put too many projects and you overload the cart, it is going to be hard for the horse to pull it. Um, so that that's my one tip for, for managers. That's great. I, my one tip, and we've already covered it, but I'm going to just say it again. Uh, know your plan, like know it. And by that, I mean, I can't, maybe this has happened to you, Casey, but I've been in meetings where pe- folks have asked me normally, my boss said, Oh, Jacob, can you give us like a status update on this thing that, you know, we know you're all working on. And I can't give a status update on that thing that uh, I am supposed to know about and, and you know, folks on my team are working on. I think it's really important um, to just know what's going on in the team. And I know this sounds kind of obvious, but I, you know, if you, if you lead a moderately large team, it's kind of hard to always know what's going on. But I would, you know, again, know your plan, know who's working on what, know when the deliverables are, if things are slipping, know that. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings where I've watched other people kind of fumble that question. And, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. So that, that's my one advice. <laughs> Just know the plan. I've man. seen people stay on that top of the plan. I have, <laughs> and I have personally fumbled that question. Uh, and, and not always cause I don't know, just, I haven't thought through how to like give an update on it. And so I would say a good strategy for that is even have a document with your key, your big rocks, your key documents, and have talking points next to them so that in any meeting you're in, you could pull that up and you basically have a script at that point. But I, I couldn't agree with you more that your job as a manager uh, is to be able to give that update confidently in a way that doesn't produce undue work for your team. Because if you're, if, if you do a bad job at that, often you're going to get managed from external stakeholders. That's right. And now you've added this level of busy work for your team. So I kind of jealous of that tip. I wish that would have been my tip. Well, and it actually gets a little bit better because I believe that these opportunities are, they can be a good opportunity for a little bit of chess beating too, because you can, you can say with confidence, because you have the data in front of you, you got the updates, you can say with confidence, oh yeah, we're on track with this, you know, the team, and you can call people out by name. I love calling out people on my team by name when I've got a good update about work that they've done. Oh, that's so So it really gives you an opportunity to, to just really do a hoorah on the team. Like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're. We're trucking along here. We we finished this. We finished that. Uh, Bob's done with this. Like it's really great uh, to be able to give those yeah. updates. But you got again you, to Casey's point. You got to have the data to be yep, able to be you know not only give the update but also to give yourself the opportunity to do some chest beating. Yeah, that's really true. And the the other part of that is. They don't need all the details, right? Like, I, I, back oh, yeah, to my talking points good thing. Point. Don't give all the yeah. details. <laughs> yeah, because then they're like, oh, boy, I don't want Jacob to talk about this project. But I, I love audience. the red. I'm a red, yellow, green. So if you ask me how a project is going, the first sentence is going to be whether we're red, yellow, or green uh, on that at any given time. So it just helps people contextualize it. You don't have to use that, but you can. Um, but you should be like, you should have one sentence update, uh, for that project. And then you can expand if you get questions or like Jacob said, want to call out some really great work, but you should have an elevator pitch for how each of your big high, high projects are going. Yep. So, know it. Man, that's a good memorize tip. it. 
Take it with you, yeah. sleep with it, like that's, practice it. Yeah, practice it. What yeah. practice? Practice communication. No. We should have practiced. Com- yes, you should absolutely practice your communication because, again, you may be causing more problems than you think just because you're not representing what your team is doing well. So, man, yeah, that was great. good. So many nuggets in this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it, Jacob. I thought this was a fun topic. Uh, I think we could also do a, a five-part series just on project management, no doubt. Um, you know, and and how to do that. Um, but but next episode is going to connect to this too, and we're going to talk about having a rallying cry with your team to keep them focused uh, on what matters most. So make sure that you don't miss uh, the next episode. We'd also like to highlight we have a things we like page uh, on our website at leader Oh, I messed that up at leaderfables.com. Uh, you can go and there are some of Jacob and my very favorite uh, things um, that if you have affiliate links and if you click on those, it'll help support the show yeah, and allow us you. to keep making these. Yeah, thank you for doing that. And we we would love to hear your feedback, uh, especially your positive feedback. No, just kidding. We'd like to hear both. You can uh, email that at feedback at leaderfables.com or you can always check out the show notes uh, on our website at all. So until next time, lead on.